With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time, Lord, that you've given me with my brother and sisters, that you've given us yet another day to uplift the name of Jesus, the name above all names. And we get to dive into your word, Lord, that we might be purified, sanctified, and made wiser, Lord, due to your word. I pray, Lord, for members who couldn't be here today. I pray for the attacks over my brother Carl, and I pray for the attacks over my brother James. I pray for the attacks over my sister Elaine, Lord, and my sister Juanita that's in the hospital, Lord. I pray that you heal her heart, Lord, that you wake her up, that, you know, Lord, there is nothing too hard for you, so we put our trust in you. I pray, Lord, for Christina's mom. I pray for Christina's brother, Vinny. Whatever he's going through, Lord, I pray that you set them free. And I pray, Lord, for so many that couldn't be here, Lord, so many that want to serve you, but their problem is their flesh. I pray for our brother Martin, Lord, our sister Karen and our sister Laura. I pray, Lord, that you bring us to a place of comfort in you, that we may seek you for all things. Lord, I pray no flesh gets glorified tonight. I pray, Lord, that your spirit of teaching will fall upon us. And I pray that people will be edified, Lord, for the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear. Let us stay up under the process of being washed clean by your word. And Lord, I'm just thankful that in spite of whatever it is we have to face, that you are an awesome God. We just thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. And Lord, we just know that without you that we can do nothing. So I pray, Lord, because we got people that are fervent in the spirit that want to serve you. You said that you gave good gifts unto men, Lord. Well, I pray that you pour out more. Pour out a blessing upon this ministry. Pour out a blessing among the hearers. Pour out a blessing among the sinner, Lord, that he might see you. And he may know you. For, Lord, this is why you came, that you might destroy the works of the devil. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit that is anti-Christ, Lord, that is not of you. I curse the spirit of suicide, Lord. I curse the spirit, Lord, of condemnation that the enemy has tried to throw on your people, Lord. Set the captives free that they may come and find you, that your heart is always open, you are always available, and you are the good shepherd. Well, Lord, bring in the sheep. Give us what we need to that you might bring in a harvest, Lord, through your people, that we truly become vessels fit for the master to use, Lord, for this is the only way that we are going to make it. So, Lord, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, you are just, and you are true, and you are worthy of all praises. 
Lord, do what we ask, not for us, but for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' mighty, holy, and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so this was a two-part series. So tonight's study is going to be the second part of Evil Men and Seducers. You know, part one, we went through the life of Samson. We went through um, some things that the Lord was pointing out, how Samson compares to the modern-day church. And I know we've gone over that study before, but it seemed like each time the Lord just puts more emphasis on things. He gives us new understanding to things that we might not have seen before. So I would encourage anyone that's going to listen to this part to check out the first part because we did cover some key topics. But for starting out, we are going to cover um, 2 Timothy chapter 3 again because this is where, you know, the Lord gave me the idea for the study. So it is called Evil Men and Seducers. This is part two, and this is called Strong Delusion. Okay, the first part was the Samson deception, but I think that aside from what Jesus Christ tells us to do, that this is probably the single most important part of Scripture when it comes to examining ourselves and being able to discern when we are on the path and when we are off. I mean, I used to read over this Scripture all the time, but there is something about this one <laughs> I mean, that really, I mean, it just puts new light on where we need to be and what we need to do. Now, I think, you know, the Lord has been putting a sense of urgency in my spirit in terms of speaking of things such as these, because I feel like there's things on the horizon. You know, um, we covered a good study, Vessels Fit for the Master's Use Sunday, but I'm also, you know, I just can't help to warn people enough. And even stuff like this keeps me going because I see the enemy going into different levels of deception. You know, instead of getting um, more and more obvious, he becomes more and more dormant. You know, he, he, he becomes more normal. And the reason we're exposing this tonight is so that we might be on the right path. Now, we know in part one, we studied what the word entice means. In the Hebrew, because it's almost the exact same thing as we're going to cover the word seduce tonight in, um, in the Greek. Okay, so let's just, you know, let me get started. I don't want to run my mouth and kill time. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's where we are going to begin. But one thing we've got to understand is we can either yield to what the Lord wants us to do or we can do what we want to do. And the Lord has even put new light on what he does when we decide to go our own way. We're going to cover all this. But what an awesome God we serve. Amen. We just got to know that he knows it all. Right. He's not just somebody that wants to come in and interfere with your life. He's someone that knows the beginning from the end. And what he has given us is a precious gift. That is that gold that, you know, we need. For all things. All right, so this is 2 Timothy 3. We'll start at verse 1 again. And it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And what are perilous times? They are dangerous times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. So that's the reason. The reason why times are going to be dangerous is because men are going to become self loving. So he says that they're covetous, that's greedy, boasters, you know, big mouths and proud. Those two can go together. 
blasphemers. They are people that speak against righteousness or holiness or God. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. So what are incontinent? Uncontrollable people or people that refuse to be controlled. Fierce, like beasts, um, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such he says to turn away. So it is important that we understand this because some people think um, having a form of godliness and denying the power is just trying to be godlike but not believing in his truth. That's only part of it. But a bigger part to this is, and why I'm so glad our brother Martin brought this up tonight, but aside from the Holy Ghost, we have a powerless salvation. We really do need to seek the Holy Ghost in order to walk with the Lord. But what you're hearing in a lot of churches today is there's no need for that. God did it all. You got the Holy Ghost when you got saved. And then people wonder why it becomes so difficult for us to follow the Lord and do what he says. The Lord gives us the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is your only way back to Jesus. He's the only one that cleans us out and changes how we, our nature and our appetite. Because as long as the old man is present, you're going to have an appetite for what the old man eats. And I love what Pastor Price said about this. He mentioned that, you know, in order to sustain is to starve the other guy out. Because as long as the old man exists, he's going to fight you and keep you from coming unto what God wants you to do. So if you if you lessen his appetite and you feed the spirit what it needs, the old man will die out all by himself. Nothing in this world can survive unless it eats. What we feed on is beneficial to us being in power and in the spirit. Um, yeah. Um, I also was just talking about this with somebody today, and they were saying how um, they're watching Curry Blake um, talk about how we, as people, once we're saved again, born again, we have the power, but our flesh is so strong that we need to weaken it to be able to God to work through us. Absolutely. So it's interesting how immediately God gives you that gift, but so many people don't crucify the flesh to be able, for God to be able to act inside through you. Well, absolutely. We received the Holy Ghost, but as we did the teaching with the four rivers, you know, there are levels. There are areas that, you know, we first are born again, and then we have, what, what did he give us first? First, he gives you the, um, the increase. And then there is bursting forth. I mean, you know, then there is dashing and then there is fruitfulness. So there are different levels of where he wants to take us. But how long the process is, like Christina said, and I agree, it all determines on how much you're willing to live to give to the Lord. But I do understand, too, that if we don't stay up under the Lord, that we can fall away. And that's why the Bible tells us, examine yourself, see if you be in the faith. So this is something that we are not supposed to take for granted. Right. And by the way, the Lord is just sitting here telling me while we're talking, because your heart is sincere and you're recognizing that you're going after something that you don't have, he is going to bless you with that gift. Amen. But that's where it begins. But you see, having a form of godliness and denying the power, you know what that is? That's almost like pretending you've got something that you don't. Mm -hmm. It's almost like trying to lie to yourself and say, oh, no, no, everything is just fine. I don't have to worry. The Bible says, seek and ye shall find. Ask 
and it shall be given. To him that believeth, all things are possible. So when you believe, that's when the Lord will fill you. But if you act like your jar is already full, there's no point for him to come because there's no place for him to get in. So as we empty ourselves out and we become more sincere in our circumstances, the more the Lord will give us. Why? Because we hunger and thirst after it. Always, uh, even when we are filled. That's right. You know, there's no limit to you gotta stay filled. That's mass. right. Yeah. Amen. So when he talked about denying the power, they deny the dunamis of what God can give us. So it is important that we understand that Christ needs to be fully formed in us. When Paul talked about the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ, he's talking about Christ in you, fully living. But a lot of people don't want to go that route. They think that this is okay. Mm -hmm. And it's not. We are ever increasing from faith to faith, glory to glory. Verse 6, for of this sort. So after he mentioned all these people, he goes into... For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away by diverse lust. Now, we're not picking on women here, but the point that he's making is that a lot of silly women head many of these false churches. Why? Because the headship for one is wrong. Two, a silly woman is like a spiritual dwarf. She's an immature woman. She's a woman that is arrested in her development. In other words, there are people that would fall for the okie doke. Mm -hmm. Whatever they say, you know, I could come in and say, "Oh, I'm a I'm a miracle working pastor, and I'll just do something, and you see nothing happen." But they'll get excited, you know. They'll just, "Oh, yeah, he's such a good man of God." You know, he's moving, and whoo! And when he just speaks, I can feel it because you're working in your senses. You're not being led by the spirit. Exactly. So this is what he says. That they um they lead captive silly women laden with sins. If you look at Joe Osteen, I'm telling you, and any of these guys, most of their churches are run by women. Most of their churches are full of women that fall for tricks. This is not an, an attack against women because you got men that'll be right there too. So it says that they're led away by diverse lust. So we gotta remember that because we're gonna get further into it. He says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I personally believe that not being able to come to the knowledge of the truth, this is why you have people in churches for years sitting with a Bible in their lap. They never want to put into practice what they have learned. Church is the only place like that on earth where you find people that will understand this, read this, but never put this into their practical life, never carrying it out to where they should be in Christ. So it is important that people understand that Christ in you, the Bible says, is the hope of glory. Aside from Christ in you, you are ever learning and never able to come to the truth. The truth in the, in the, in the, um, the uh, gospel, the good news is Christ in you. The fact that Jesus Christ can live in you and work through you. That is the good news. But you see, that's hard for people to understand sometimes because they haven't deadened their flesh. They're, they're reading it from the flesh. What I encourage people to do, draw closer to Jesus and your whole mindset will change. But as far as you're looking at it from the other end, you're going to always look at it from a carnal perspective and not from the way that Jesus Christ is. But the closer you draw to him and he gives you something, you're going to start to think like him. You're going to see like him. You're going to become one with him. Yeah. Um, 
I think this verse 7 is also very relevant to now generation and how Satan's conditioning people to have so many resources and be able to ever learn but not ever be able to apply in their life because I see it so much with teenagers. You like, mean like you, you think that this scripture is talking about like knowledge in general or is it speaking about like a particular knowledge? Um, I just think of having knowledge whether it's the word of God or any type of information um, available to you more than ever and you can read over it and know as much as you want but never actually know it yourself because I've noticed how with technology and the internet kids they can just look stuff up they never actually remember it or have to use it as in when I was younger I felt like we had to memorize a lot more stuff and actually apply things so mm. it's harder for them to learn on their own because they have instant gratification versus delayed gratification and waiting for the Lord like, to work. No, I can see what perspective you're bringing it from for sure. But the only reason why I think it's just speaking of the scriptures, mm -hmm. I understand where you're bringing it. And it is true. A lot of people's minds are dead to things. They're not learning how to do them. What they're doing is, like you said, just looking up the information and never learning how to do it themselves. But the only reason why I think this is speaking of the scriptures only is because verse 8 says, Now as Jannies and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. So we know here that we're speaking about the faith. And Jannies and Jambres, remember, like we talked about in part 1, they were good imitators. Whatever, whatever Moses brought that was authentic, they did the same thing that was not authentic. Well, it didn't have as much power. So we learned that the devil is a good imitator. He'll make you seem like you're more than what you are. But what we want is authenticity in Jesus Christ. So he's saying for those people that he mentioned back in verse 1, that they didn't want the truth. That they do, this is why they are like they are. They're into self-love. They're into them. They're doing what they want. They're ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And one thing I can say to agree with Christina on this one in particular, a lot of people are out there learning things that they think are beneficial. But you see, the Bible story tells the true story so you can have a proper perspective in what you're dealing with. Because a lot of people will take things and say, well, yeah, I know all about history. Oh, yeah, I know all about this. I know all about that. But, yeah, do you know who's behind it? Do you understand where this comes from, where the attacks are, how the spiritual world affects the, the physical world? You get a truer sense in following Jesus Christ and understanding when he opens your eyes and tells you this world is run by Satan. When I first read that, that brought me more knowledge and truth than anything because I began to tie everything to Satan that made me recognize my need for Jesus that much more. So he's saying as Jannies and Jambres, the way that they are, he said how they withstood Moses. He says, so is everyone that doesn't want the truth. They are men of corrupt minds. They are reprobate concerning the faith. So we're talking the faith that these people are resisting. Mm -hmm. You're going to make another point. I, was just, I guess I was thinking more like um, Satan is using this to condition people outside the face they think differently so that even if this was brought to them that they wouldn't be able to absolutely you know just conditioning their absolutely. minds to have a certain thought 
process to not mm -hmm. be able to critically think for themselves mm -hmm. and apply information that if they're given the word the truth they're more likely to dismiss it because they don't understand it they don't. and they yeah and their minds are full of so many other things that yeah. they can't have it yeah. i totally agree so that's why he says these men are they resist the truth and you see this is a big part of knowing if we have been seduced or we have been um you know some ways evil because when we hear the truth in Christ, I'm not going to lie, some things are not easy to hear. But what determines if we're saved is, or we're willing to, well, you know what? God is right. I'm wrong. But Lord, show me where I'm wrong. Show me why this is what it is. Exactly. But when we say no, never, that's impossible, then we resist the truth. So then God can't get through. Exactly. So he said they are men of corrupt minds, a corrupt mind. That's why the first thing the Bible starts with in, in um, Romans 12 is that renewal of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. God's got to work with the mind. As we talked about in part one, Jesus Christ went to Golgotha, the place of the skull. Why? To destroy the mind of Adam, that we might have the mind of Christ. Right. So it was important that it was strategically put in that place, symbolic for what God would do. Mm -hmm. So he wants us to have the mind of Christ that we might receive him. Because mm -hmm. I was doing like what Christina says she did when you first get saved. You start dancing around the Bible because you don't want to believe all this is true. You mean to say I'm going to have to change my life? But yeah, that's exactly what he's looking for. But it begins in the mind. All right, verse 9. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be made manifest unto all men as theirs also was. And But thou hast fully known. So let's just, before we get into 10, because I want to go through this kind of slowly. We talked about all those who would not receive. He left a list from verse 1 all the way up to verse 9. Those who would not make it. Those who were not like Christ. But Paul says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. So the doctrine of Paul is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. My manner of life. How I live. My purpose to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, and faith. You can't have faith. If you, I mean, you can't do what Paul did and what Jesus did without it. Right. All right. Then it says long suffering. That is guaranteed if you are a believer. Charity. You can't do it without love. Patience. These are fruit of the spirit because you're going to have to endure. So he mentions persecutions, afflictions, uh, which came unto me at, at, at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. So as Paul went through all these trials, he was actually being battle tested. And, you know, his faith even grew. Lord, no matter what, I know you're going to take care of it. And like I encourage people in part one, man, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and read what Paul went through. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was insane. But he's talking about the way he lived and what he did. So he's separate from them. But he says in verse 12, Verse 12, God's government, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So what Paul is making clear here that is helping us out is no matter what we do and how we live, if we intend to live godly, guaranteed trouble will come your way. If anybody doesn't believe it, Go and do what you do here or anyone else and come back and tell me how long you kept your job. 
How long was it before they got tired of you preaching and kicked you out of the place that you live? These things are going to, they're going to come to you. Why? This is the devil's kingdom. Mm -hmm. But Paul is saying for them that will live godly. This isn't just about anybody. This is about you and I if we follow Christ. He said they will suffer persecution. But look at 13, the number of rebellion. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So you guys remember this in 13 because we're going to cut, we're going to find out why people tend to get worse and worse. Why this happens and why, more importantly, God will eventually stand by and watch it happen. Not because he wants to hurt you, but he's giving you that hope that you might come in. Mm -hmm. He'll send people to you. Here, Jesus will be there interceding for us. But there'll come a point where he's going to say, okay, you don't want me? All right, we're, just, we're going to get there. But anyway, he says, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And that's a dangerous place. Because what he's saying about the evil is they're going to think that they're right. That's bad enough when you're dead wrong. But then you're going to go and tell other people that this is okay. He said this is what evil men do. So what? why did he say that? Because they resist the truth. When you resist the truth, the devil fortifies his place and the, the truth can't get in. Yeah. And if you tell a lie long enough and loud enough, people will believe it. Adolf Hitler said that. All right, so verse 14, and it says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So we got to remember again, the books of Timothy 1 and 2 was Paul teaching his young apprentice, Timothy, who was a minister in the gospel. So this is a man that intends to follow Paul and learn from him. This is Paul's instruction to his disciple. All right. So he says, um, uh, verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. He didn't say wise in salvation, wise unto salvation. So if we stay in the word, if we obey the Lord, if we follow him as he commands, if we are led by the spirit, we will be saved. Now, some people say, no, I heard you were saved before. What did Jesus say? Him that endureth unto the end shall be saved. Yep. So this thing is a race that we are running with patience that we may get the prize that God wants us to have. So it says, wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So no matter how difficult things may seem in this word, we've got to understand that God is right. And he's only telling us what he's telling us because he wants us to be able to grow. He wants to reprove you. He wants to correct you. He wants to instruct you. And, and I know most of this is because we didn't get to finish it that night in that study, but the devil is crafty. You don't think God knows who he made? And this is why he's telling you, man, stay with me. You can't afford to go out there because I know my adversary. I know his tricks. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So why some of us are not casting out devils or healing the sick or doing whatever, while we may have spurts of doing it and then we go dry, it's because 
we are not continuing in the faith. It is important that we understand that when we don't follow the Lord and what he calls us to, the devil will put water on your fire. And that's why in order to stay with Christ, we've got to stay hot. We've got to stay ready. Paul said be instant. So instant means ready to do the will of the Lord. Just a week ago, um, I don't know why I didn't feel up to teaching. Sipper didn't know she was going to teach that day. And I just said, it was like minutes before we started. And I said, hey, do you mind teaching? And she was like, oh, yeah, sure. And I'm thinking, thank God. Because, I mean, for whatever reason, I just didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel the spirit with me like that. And she did a great job. So we got to be instant. We've got to be ready. The glory is the Lord's, no doubt about it. So let's go to Proverbs 1. And we'll start at verse 1. That's why the Bible tells us, study to shew ourselves approved unto God. Because there's nothing like, you know, people will tell you, now we all have our opinions. We'll go somewhere and hear some things. And then, you know, you start questioning, well, this pastor said this and that one said that. But you know what? If we get studied in this, you don't have to go there because, hey, I studied this myself. I know what Jesus Christ meant. So this is what I'm going with. We've got to get to that place where, hey, man, I know the word of God. I know what God said. So it doesn't matter what this one said or that one said. Do I know this to be right? That's important. All right. So, um. Proverbs 1 and 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we've got to understand in order to walk with the Lord, we cannot despise what he says. If we don't understand it, Lord, show me why this is so. Is this really the truth? And he will. He'll give it to you. But if we go to somebody else to tell us whatever we want to hear, man, bad news. Verse um, 8, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave, the whole as those that go down into the pit. So we got to understand about people that entice you. You know, and this is what sinners do. We got to understand sinners are killing us. Anybody that is not into Christ is a sinner. Anyone that is not led by the spirit is a sinner. Okay, so this is what I want the Lord to even work out in my life. Lord, the ways that I'm not following you in the spirit, let me follow you that I might do what you call. Mm -hmm. Why? Because other than that, if we're not led by the spirit, we're wasting time. 
But you see, these sinners, these people, they'll entice you. But when they entice you, it's not to do the Lord's will. It's to pull you into yourself. It's to pull you into the world. And we got to know, Jesus Christ never pulled anybody to the world. He tried to pull his people out of it. So it all begins in having the right mindset so that we don't get seduced. Because from day to day, we were looking at the life of Solomon, and we were talking about how the first time Solomon lied to the woman, you know, he said, if you tie me in green reeds, and it was just like, all right, no big deal, he lied. Then he says, if you do something else, and they did it, it didn't work. But then he said the third time, if you tie my head together with a pen. So what was Solomon doing? He was beginning, not Solomon, I'm sorry, Samson. I mean, Samson. Samson was, you know, slowly but surely beginning to trust Delilah. Because he started getting to his hair. He didn't take her all over the place. He said, well, if you tie all my um, locks up, then I won't be able to do anything. Then he eventually went from there to shaving his head. But see, in order for that to happen to Samson, he had to trust her. And that's what's so important is that we got to understand the more trust that we have in the world and in the people of the world, it really does hurt us in ways that we don't recognize. It may seem harmless to you. But you got to understand that those who are not walking in the spirit are only going to put your fire out. And that's why God lets our obedience become fulfilled to the place where we are full in Christ. And we can go into the crack house. We can go into the strip club. We can go wherever to preach the gospel because we have been made whole. Right. So once we become made whole in Christ, you saw what Jesus did. He went anywhere and did not back down. He told people the truth. But we've got to get to that point of growth so that we don't become enticed. As long as your flesh is alive, you can be enticed. And it may not seem like much, but it can be a big deal. Mm -hmm. Because if you look up the word evil, evil is anything that is not like Jesus. I don't care if we're talking about me or anybody else. Anything that I might do that is not like Christ is considered evil. If God is good and his ways are good, then the ways that are not of Christ are evil. And that's what we got to understand. We got a teaching coming up on the beautiful side of evil. Evil has a very beautiful side. Evil has a sensual, loving, conditional side that'll just make you feel great. But nonetheless, it is still evil. The devil didn't entice Adam and Eve with, you know, just saying some mean, nasty stuff. Like, we're going to go and fight against the Lord, and we're going to become little disciples of mine, and... He didn't come like that. He told them they'd be gods. He told them, man, you be wise. You'll have all this stuff. And that was enough to push that, to, you know, get them to follow. So we got to understand about being enticed. Sinners do entice us. And that's why we need to be built up in the spirit that we may not fall. Because evil and seduction are everywhere. Let's go to Proverbs 12. And a lot of times that enticement what they're doing yep. to be wrong so it seems like so innocent you know mm -hmm. but real, like they just don't know you're right so we have to know better by the spirit you know testing the spirit and trusting the lord amen you are so right all right this is proverbs 12 and 1 and it says whoso loveth uh whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge that he that hateth reproof is brutish. So he's saying brutish is almost like beast-like, like a caveman. 
You know, like, I don't need any wisdom. Don't tell me to wear a napkin or do whatever. You're a brute. You know, like, you don't, you refuse to have God's instruction. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteousness shall not be moved. So you see, we've got to be rooted in righteousness, but he says, um, a man shall not be established by wickedness. Wickedness usually has to find new appetites and new ways to do things. Wickedness does not remain the same. You know, that's why we go at times further and further into sin instead of doing what the Lord calls. It all starts out in little small things, mm -hmm. but wicked people cannot be established. You find them digressing over time, yeah. getting worse and worse. So he says, a virtuous woman is a crown to her to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is, um, is as rottenness to his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. So you see how it was so funny when Jesus brought us truth. Jesus always told us point blank range what was. He didn't play games. He didn't play tricks. He told you what was. If you had any more questions for him, he would answer. But you see, when, when people are wicked, they're deceiving. They usually play with your pleasure centers to get you to like them. Why? Because they mean you no good. Verse 6, the words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. So, you know, this is kind of, um, when you think about what Jesus said in Matthew 7, when he mentioned um, that the house that was built in Christ would stand, but the one that wasn't would fall. You know, this is the same kind of uh, thing he's saying. Verse 8, a man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but, a ten but uh, the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Um, he that tilleth the land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. The wicked desireth the net, and evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. So you see, the wicked desireth the net of evil, of, they desire the net of evil men. They follow after things that are not right, but you see how the righteous man is fruitful. The righteous man has something, and of course, we got to relate Proverbs. Yes, it talks about life, but much of this is just pure gospel. Mm -hmm. Much of this is how a Christian can be fruitful and be right for Christ and not be given in to the things of the world. Yep. I do want to get to one other part. I want to skip down to verse um, 23 because this wasn't really the subject tonight, but I just wanted to run through a few things. So it says, A prudent man concealeth knowledge. But the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. And that's why the Bible tells us that them that are of the flesh mind the things of the flesh. Them that are of the spirit mind the things of the spirit. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Heaviness is the heart of man maketh it stoop, but the good word maketh it glad. And you know, that's why I can sit here with a sister that is in the hospital 
And I believe the Lord is going to take care of her. But you know what brings me great joy is getting into God, getting into his word, fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters, and just uplifting Jesus. Of course I love my sister, and I'm going to check on her later and all. But the the thing is, is, you know, God, that's right. He's already taken care of her, and I believe that. We've got to trust God. Our hearts are first to him, you know. Verse 26, the righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. So we're going right back to that seduction. The only way that evil people could get you to follow them is they have to entice you. They have to be seductive. That is, excuse me, that is the only way that this works. I mean, no one is just going to do bad just for the sake of doing bad. You have to be enticed unto doing it. It's just like even what would make someone join a gang? I'll tell you how it goes. You get a rejected child or a kid that's usually beat up after school, has no friends, okay, and he might have family members that ignore him too. So what happens? He runs into this gang. The gang, they don't start out with, we're going to go shoot and rob and kill and do all that. You know what they tell you? Hey, man, you all right. If you join with us, hey, we're your family. We care about you. Ask any gang leader and tell him, see if I'm lying. Mm-hmm. But that's how they welcome you in. You know, and that's why I never forget what that movie, The Gangs of New York, said, even though this is a movie. But Leonardo DiCaprio said, it's a, it's a crazy thing being under the wing of a dragon. He said, it's warmer than you think. And that is a fact. People think when you, you know when you're among Satan because things go crazy. Oh, no. Satan will make you be his best friend if you were looking to be enticed. If you were looking to be pleasured aside from God, Satan is your man. So wicked people have to entice you in order for them to follow you. Sometimes when I hear certain gospel and it just sounds too sweet, sometimes it's almost too good to be true because I'm comparing what they're saying compared to what Jesus Christ said, and I'm not seeing where the two come together. Now, Jesus did say some amazing things about being with him and being in the spirit and doing what he says. But when I'm I'm learning this, and this is what I'm being trained to learn, and then I'll go listen to Have Your Best Life Now, Every Day is Friday, God doesn't care what you do as long as you give him a little time, it doesn't match up with what I'm reading. And that's where I have found the conflict. And I'm like, hey, there's nothing wrong with a joke. There's nothing wrong in teaching people the word. There's nothing wrong with telling people how to get closer to the Lord. But when you compare this gospel, which is what we are supposed to follow to the stuff that we're hearing, I'm like, man, something ain't adding up. Because Paul says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. So Jesus Christ has chosen his people to become soldiers. Now, of course, there are different ranks. Wherever you are, you might be the water boy for now. Okay, you might be the guy who's learning, who's in boot camp and training. But the, the end game is there is a war between Jesus Christ and Satan. But, man, you don't hear any of that when you go to other places. They don't tell you anything about spiritual warfare, anything about being built up, anything about self-denial so that you can grow in the spirit. So I begin to question some things because I don't think I'm getting what I'm supposed to be getting. And I'm not, hey, if you go to a good church and you're learning from it, 
That's awesome. I'm not telling people not to. But what I am saying is the end game is the word of God. And if we can't match anything relating to this, someone's seducing you. It's just that simple. Yep. What, what Paul said, his doctrine, Paul didn't preach anything different from Jesus. Neither did Peter. Neither did any of the early church until all this stuff started seeping in. And this is what he's talking about, evil men and seducers. All right, I think we could be done with that. Let's go to Jeremiah 20, and we'll start at verse 1. We're going to cover a couple of things, and we're going to get into the Lord. But, man, the Lord showed me something about that waxing worse and worse. Man, it's it's a it's an amazing thing. So what's it, what does it exactly mean? Waxing. waxing worse, like you just become worse and worse uh-huh. over time. The Lord was, I mean, when he pointed these scriptures out, I'm like, hey, man, that only makes sense. It's kind of interesting because when a candle, when it burns um, and it keeps melting, but then when it dries, the wax, mm-hmm. like it's thicker and thicker, like harder and harder and mm-hmm. harder. That's a good point. You know, that's a great point. All right, so this is Jeremiah 20. One well, cover off, you know. Mm-hmm. When it's burning, it's liquid, but when, it's, when that fire's been put out, it's hard. And when something is hard, it doesn't move. No. It stays exactly where it is in a fixed position. Yep. All right, so um, this is Jeremiah 20 and verse 1. Now Pasha, the son of Emmer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pasha smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And it came to pass on the morrow that Pasha brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord have not called thy name Pasha, but Magar Misabib. I guess that's it. Uh, For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will make thee a terror to thyself, and to all thy friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies. And thine eyes shall behold it, and I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them uh, she, he shall carry them captive into Babylon and shall slay them with the sword. So he thought by locking up Jeremiah that everything was going to be silenced. The second they went to pull him out, Jeremiah continued where he left off. This place is going to be judged outside of God. So verse 5 says, Moreover, I will deliver all the strength of the city and all the labors thereof and all the precious things thereof and all the treasures of the kings of Judah will I give into the hand of their enemies which shall spoil them and take them and carry them to Babylon. And thou, Pasha, and all that dwell in thine house shall go into captivity and thou shalt come to Babylon and there there thou shalt die and shall be buried there, uh, thou and all thy friends to whom uh, thou hast prophesied lies. So you can clearly tell that the Lord has got Jeremiah's tongue. Jeremiah, no one's going to just say this just for the sake of saying it. Jeremiah is saying what needs to be said. Hey, the Lord called me to tell people unless they follow him, they are going to go astray. Now this, this is going into the category of those who will live godly. Verse 7, O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Every one mocketh me. So while he's telling the truth, Jeremiah is turning back to the Lord. 
Lord, you deceived me. I thought that everything was supposed to be good. You chose me to follow you. He said, but man, people are mocking me. Like, man, I didn't sign up for this. Verse 8. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil. So what did he cry out? Violence and spoil for those who would not follow the Lord. Because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. So he said, man, because I'm going through this, I'm not speaking for you anymore. I'm not even going to mention your name because I don't like the way I'm being received. Now, we've got to understand this as Christians because Paul says for them that will live godly will suffer persecution. And, and you know, it, it becomes real easy when you follow the Lord and the Bible says, if you're a friend of the world, you're the enemy of God. Because it only makes sense that if you're a friend of God, you're an enemy of the world. That you don't have to try and push people out of your life. All you've got to be is godly. And this world will turn on you. But he's still pushing forward and believing. Well, right now he's upset with the Lord. Verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. So we got to understand the Lord was deep down in Jeremiah. So as his flesh tried to have an effect on him, trying to keep him, Jeremiah said, man, it's like fire in my bones. As much as I want to stop, I cannot. I must go on because this is the calling upon my life. I heard the defaming of many. So people defamed him. Fear on every side. Report, say they, and we will report it. All my familiars watched for my halting, saying, Peradventure, like perhaps, he will be enticed, and he shall prevail, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. So these are the closest people his familiars, people that he talked to all the time. These people have turned on him and they say, watch, watch, you're going to be just like us. Yeah, right now you're preaching that, but you're going to become enticed and we're going to prevail over you, Jeremiah. So don't think that you're going to stay that way long. Verse 11, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. And it means terrible. It doesn't mean bad. It means like full of awe, you know, like full of awe. That's all it means. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble, and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. But, O Lord of hosts, as Jesus Christ, that triest the righteous, and seest the reins, and the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them, for unto thee have I opened my cause. Now see, right away... We can look at Jeremiah and say, that wasn't very godly. You looking for revenge for the people that have done this to me? But you got to understand, there's a big difference between someone that's in the battle and someone that's spectating. Someone that's the bus driver, because i got a teaching on that, and the passenger. They see things completely different. If you're on the outside, you're going to be looking at what's not right, what we should, what we shouldn't do. When you're in the battle, your perspective is completely different because you're dealing with this. You're living it. 
You don't have to try and love people. You love people because you realize that they hate you. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's a difference in having it happen to you and watching it happen to someone else. One second, Christina. It's like the bus driver. The bus driver, when he's driving, he's paying attention to all the danger and everything. He's not just taking care of himself. He's looking after others. So right away, he's going to drive careful. He can't afford to fall asleep and play with his iPhone or do whatever. His eyes are open because he's responsible for more than him. So before we judge people that are in the battle, we've got to get in the battle ourselves and see if our perspective is the same. Because if you don't go through anything, you can't say what you would and wouldn't do. That's right. But a godly person that's living this way, like Henry Groover and these guys, he can preach love. And you know his love is authentic because look at what he's enduring. But for you and I, I'm not trying to be funny, even myself included. That stuff can be somewhat questionable because how much am I putting myself on the limb for another? How much danger have I faced to be able to say whether or not I truly love the Lord? Those things are in question, yeah. I just had a question for clarification. Yeah. Because I've noticed a lot in the Old Testament, um, and I know that like a lot of it is time of war and stuff, and I know David uses a lot. They always are asking um, God to like have vengeance on their enemies and stuff, but I don't really see it as much in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. um, and I get confused on like where the whole thing, aren't we supposed to bless our enemies who persecute mm -hmm. us? So I just get confused on... Like, just how do I take this scripture? Well, yeah, we, we got to understand. Jeremiah is speaking from the standpoint of Lord. Now, we got to remember, Old Testament is mostly physical, right? New Testament is spiritual. And that's why Paul talks about when all of our be obedience is fulfilled, then we get to revenge the disobedience that is out there. So how do we deal with this today? We've nothing wrong with hating a demon. There's nothing wrong with wanting to set a captive free. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. You know, so everything is turned from physical, the physical armies, because the spirit wasn't present for a lot of them, or he wasn't indwelling man. Now that we are the temple of the living God and we are like Christ, our battle is not with flesh and blood. So one is like the beginning stages. The other is the refining of what God wants, which is Christ in you. So, you know, David couldn't love the Philistines. They would have taken his head off. You know, at this point, he had to fight with God to deal with his enemies. But now that you get to the point of Jesus Christ and having the spirit, I'm going to show you love perfected. I'm going to show you what was behind the Philistines. I'm going to show you what was behind the Amorites. I'm going to show you, and mostly they killed giants more than anything else, which were not men of God or whatever. But... The Lord is talking about for those who will be stuck in their ways, Jeremiah is saying God is going to deal with. Now, God is coming for vengeance. Think about it. For those who are not converted to Christ, in the end, Christ is going to come back and do just what Jeremiah is saying. So we're in the period of grace trying to win as many souls as we can to the Lord that people might get saved. But revenge is still going to be sought out for the prophets, for this one, for that one. I can't remember exactly where that scripture was where he mentioned taking care of the, the revenge for the prophets, revenge for all those who were of God that did lose their lives. Yeah. I was going to make a point of, remember when Elijah called on fire from heaven mm -hmm. and it burned up more than 300 prophets mm -hmm. of Baal? Mm -hmm. Well, and like you said before, the, the man who committed the adulterous act 
Mm-hmm. Um, who, who was it? Um, and he went in with the stake, Sticks, right? and he stuck them both because, mm-hmm. like you said, they didn't have the Holy Ghost then, so they had to physically kill off that cancer or that uh, the sin that was in. They the couldn't camp. cast they out demons. Right, but in the in the New Testament, when the disciples asked, "Shouldn't we call down fire from heaven like Elijah did?" He said, "You know not what spirit you were of, because Jesus Christ had come, and He was wanting to give him the Holy Ghost." Mm-hmm. So. It's different because they didn't have that Holy Ghost. Absolutely. Every miracle that was performed in the Old Testament was performed in the New, except for one. They did not cast out demons. Mm -hmm. And see, that's where our our battle has become more refined. I'm not dealing with the man anymore. I'm dealing with what spirit is in the individual. So that's what we war with today. But to say what Jeremiah is saying, he wasn't just speaking in terms of his people. He's speaking for the end because we know that most people are not going to come to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. They are going to fight against him, and God is going to have his revenge on those that were not um, of him. Right. You know, so this is what Jeremiah is talking about, like just make, asking the Lord, hey, Lord, take revenge for all this that I'm dealing with, and the Lord will. He's going to, no doubt about it. I can't remember what scripture that is where he mentioned those. All right, so let's go. Let's move on because we got to cover... Um, Let's go to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, we'll start at verse 1. I just want to go into him real quick. And then from there, um, let's see. All right. Yeah, Jeremiah 23, we'll start at verse 1. And it says, Woe unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors, that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and driven them away, and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. Now, you know, God, in some ways, still deals like this because, you know, there are, Pastor Price was talking about a guy that they knew of, I don't know if he was in their congregation or in another church where they was, But this guy was just going around sleeping with women in the church. You know, like a womanizer, just using people and doing things. And Pastor Price said he got, I think he was one day at a bus stop. He got struck dead by lightning right at the bus stop. You know, like shocked him and he died. Now, some people could say, well, wouldn't the Lord want to turn him around and make him right? Hey, I don't know if the Lord has tried. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the Lord tried to talk to this man many times. Before he had to do something because this guy was just sitting there corrupting people within the church. Yeah. At that point, if you're continuing to do that in a church and you're not getting close to the Lord, your conscience is seared to hearing his voice. There you go. And he already said what he would do with those people. But it would also be Satan doing that just to cause division in the church saying, well, you know, mm-hmm. it could be the other way around too. It doesn't have to be God. Well, Satan striking the man dead? Right. Because... Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. just to your point, what you just said earlier, it's um, well, sin causes death. It could be right because the Lord allowed Satan to do that. Well, because the only one I know that ever kills with lightning is God. Like when He struck Herod dead, you know, and other people. Right. I've never known Satan to do it, but I get what you're saying. Because you know they're going to say, "Well, well, see, couldn't God fix him?" It's like you know, what's wrong with God? So they're going to cause 
some strife, you know. And see, that's the other thing, too, is that we can't question the Lord. Right. He says, I give honor to whom I give honor. I give mercy to whom I give mercy. No matter what decision God makes, whether we like it or not, God's judgment is right. He's righteous because he sees the beginning from the end. God can't be wrong. Mm-hmm. We so, don't know his plans and like what he has. You know, exactly. He has to make the hard decisions, so we don't have to. No, yeah. totally. But I understand what Martin is saying, too. I'm just saying, like, in general, that no matter how hard things be, because a lot of people have become atheists because they read something in this Bible they did not understand, and then they went and, like, you know, well, see, if your God is good, look at this. That's all we ever hear out there. And... A good 99.9% of the time, they're taking scripture out of context. And it's like, it didn't even say that. So what do you, look, this is what it says, but then they get mad at you anyway. They don't want to serve the Lord, Mm -hmm. some people. All right, I want to make this point real quick, and then we got to move. But he says what these pastors are doing. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whither I have driven them, And I will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. So what is God's desire for his flock? He wants one to take away, um, he wants to put shepherds that will feed them. So right away, these other pastors were not feeding them. They were scattering the flock. They weren't getting the flock in battle formation. They weren't getting the flock prepared for the work of the Lord that they might do the ministry themselves. And then they, he said, they shall fear no more. So you're talking about these guys being built up. They shall not be dismayed. Their doctrine will be sound. They will have a clear understanding of what God wants And then it says, neither shall they be lacking. So these guys are going to be made unto what God wants them to be. I believe that this is also future prophecy, speaking of having the spirit. Mm -hmm. Behold, the days will come, saith the Lord, and I will raise unto David a righteous branch. So you know that this is the future. He was speaking of a righteous branch. That's a capital B, which is Christ. And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name, whereby we shall be called the Lord of righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, The Lord liveth, which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth, which brought up, and and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries whither I have driven them and they shall dwell in their own land. So he's talking about bringing them home after um, slavery, after they were persecuted. Nine, my heart within me is broken. This is Jeremiah talking because he's got to tell all these people this stuff. Because of the prophets, all my bones shake. I am like a drunken man and like a man whom wine hath overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. For the land is full of adulteries, for because of swearing the land mourneth, and pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up, and their course is evil and their force is not right. So he says, you know, being taken over to such a degree He's broken the prophets. I mean, if you became a prophet of the Lord, 
you were almost certain in those days what would befall you. Why? Because you've heard of all those that preceded you. But he says, I'm like a drunken man being led of the spirit. Like in other words, I don't even control the situation at this point. As God tells me to do, I will do. So this is what godly men go through. Like I said, we see the righteousness and the good of Henry Groover, but you don't see what Henry's out there dealing with on the battlefield. I mean, you know, it's a big difference when you got somebody like him saying hallelujah and loving the Lord because he's battle tested. Yeah. Can I just um, make a point on 10? Uh -huh. When it says um, the land is full of adulterers, mm -hmm. um, it's made me think of, um, you know, cheating on the Lord with other gods. Mm -hmm. And then how it goes because of swearing the land mourneth, it's like cursing, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, getting into witchcraft, getting into all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Of serving these other gods, and then um, the and then those curses cause you know that sin causes things to dry up and causes destruction. Mm -hmm. and so it just and then the, their force is not right. Dark forces. No, totally. And it's funny you were going to say that because I meant to go back to ten too. If you look at it, it says the pleasant places of the wilderness, mm -hmm. the pleasant places of the <laughs> soul. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Those things. I'm like, the wilderness when, is not supposed to be pleasant. Exactly. But when the children of Israel were taken out, for those who didn't make it, they were all taken out in the wilderness. They all left Egypt. But the wilderness is where they had their trouble. Mm -hmm. That's where you and I are having trouble, in the soul. Mm -hmm. Because the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, what we want. But God wants us to make it to that promise to be in the spirit with him. And that's why he says, because of my servant Joshua and Caleb, because they had another spirit, that they would make it into the land. Mm -hmm. But you see, all those that were turning back, worrying about themselves, doing what they want, they didn't go in. Yep. All right, I just wanted to bring up those points and how um, Jeremiah was going through stuff. Now, we got to really get into it because it's getting kind of late. So mm -hmm. let's go to... Um, Let's go to Mark 8 real quick. Mark chapter 8. Huh? So you're going to have to have a part 3. Exactly. We spent a lot of time talking about other stuff before. Yeah. Let's hear the words of Jesus. You ever notice when you hear Jesus speak, we can have a lot of debate and other things that go on. But when you hear the words of Jesus, how he just smooths everything out. Because you know if you disagree, who you disagreeing with here. <laughs> this is written in red letter. So all know. Right. He kind of calms things down. Like, well, if the Lord said it, then. Kind of eliminate that confusion. <laughs> exactly. Right. All right. This is Mark 8 and verse 1. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have passion on the multitude because they have now... Uh, been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. For divers, I mean, for divers of them uh, came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men and uh, with bread here in the wilderness? So these are important questions. And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set them before, and they did set them before the people. I want to bring up a small point here, too, because 
I think that we have to understand concerning Jesus while we live here in our souls in the world. I remember we were having a, um, an earlier talk about, you know, the, the necessities and things that we need in this world. But, I mean, we got to really understand that if these people were walking with Jesus and we're now walking with him, you know that he's no different. Mm -hmm. So we got to understand in spite of what we have and what we don't, this is the crown jewel. I mean, we've got to believe that Jesus is more valuable than anything that we can place our hands on now. So I just wanted to bring that perspective forward because there's going to come a point where we really have to trust him. And when you put your mind into him, man, you've got everything. You can't be seduced. You can't be tempted. You're looking at it like, look, no matter what, Jesus Christ is going to make a way. Now, to the world, that would seem crazy, but we're talking about the same God. Amen. Do we believe or do we not? Do Amen. we not? But if we walk with him, he's everything that we need. That's right. Yeah, sorry. Crazy thing is, is that even though he's not here like he was there, it's actually, we're supposed, he said it's better when he is gone. You know, that he is mm -hmm. with us even more. So our belief should be that much stronger, yeah. actually. Amen. And it's, it's crazy how it gets twisted to the opposite thought because he's not physically here with us and we can't see him. But That's then right. what, where's the faith? That's right. Did he leave us alone? He, he sent a comforter. So that's what we got to understand. We are not here alone. We got to trust God. And that's all I'm telling people. It's crazy he calls him the comforter because you really feel the comforter when you are down. You know, when things go hard in your life or you're broken or, you know, I just think of like my brother when he's going through, he's just crying, crying. He's not a person that cries. So for him to cry for four hours. He's hurt. Yeah, he's yeah. hurt. You know, I know he has a pure heart, but, you know, um, that's a time where the Lord come in and you really feel his comfort, mm -hmm. you know? So it's just interesting how he calls him the comforter, but those, that's when you feel the Holy Spirit the most and dwell inside your vessel. It, it's so true because, I mean, when you think about it, who do you think is pouring out blessings to us now? Mm -hmm. That's the Holy Ghost. Who do you think is keeping you alive? Aside from God, you've got nothing. Yep. So it's just so awesome how he's giving us something. And that's why Jesus always tried to prove himself by, man, I'm taking you into a desert. Yeah, I know there's no food, but keep walking. Because eventually you're going to get hungry and he's going to say, hey, look, you are with me. Yeah. So when you're with me, you are never without. Yeah. All right, verse 7. Oh, man. Oh, you felt the spirit. Well, he just, when he said that, he just said, also he'll take you a desert in your life. Mm -hmm. Like experiences mm -hmm. and what you're going through where you seem it's dull and nothing's happening. But it's to pull you out so that you yearn and thirst for more. Amen. And it says, and they had a few small fishes and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. And they did eat and were filled and took up the, and took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000 and he sent them away. And straightway he entered into a ship and his disciples came into the parts of Dalmanutha. I guess that's it. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of a, of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship again, departed to another side. Now the disciples uh, had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in their ship, and with them uh, more than one loaf. 
and he charged them like he commanded them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So right away, he's warning them, hey guys, beware of these people because they're claiming to be godly, but they're not. You know, you want to talk about evil men and seducers. We could have just done a full study on the Pharisees and that would have proved it all right there. So he's telling them, be careful. But you see, Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit because Jesus was battle tested. We got to understand. I know at times, guys, when y'all hear me speak like, man, forget this. And if I get fired, so be it, whatever, whatever. But you know what? I've gotten fired. So my perspective is going to be slightly different than someone that's never lost it. I'm not speaking brash like to try and put people down. I'm speaking in that faith because I had been through it. Something that you've been through, you are going to speak bold about in Christ. Why? Because you've been through it. So you don't have that same fear or worrying about, well, what if, what if, what if. You grow past that point with Christ. So he's trying to take all of us to a place where we may believe in him more. So don't think I'm trying to like tell people, man, forget everything and grab your rifle and we're going to go out there. That's not how I feel. But you understand when, when you've been in a situation, you've got confidence in your God. So that's why Joshua and Caleb sounded so crazy because everyone was saying there's giants. And, and you got Caleb talking about, Fear them not. The Lord is going to take care of everything. And look, man, somebody hit you in your head, man. We ain't going over there. But you see, the, the, the believer, I mean, the, the person that's been in a situation, he's going to seem crazy. Why? His reality, his perspective, his mindset is not like those who haven't. I'm telling you, watch. Don't you notice when you're talking to people, friends that you know in the world, and they'll ask you questions? You mention the Lord. And people start looking at you strange. I mean, what are you talking about? Believe in God. I'm about to get evicted. But you got to understand God, your perspective is different because of who you believe and what you believe. It's like it strikes them in the heart when you mention Jesus Christ because they, they give you a funny look, but they freeze. They also give you a look like, now you really believe that. <laughs> what you said. And you're like, yeah, look them in the eye. All right, so it says in 16, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have no bread. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your hearts yet hardened? Having eyes uh, see ye not, and having ears hear ye not. And do ye, do ye not remember when I break the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets were full of the fragments took ye up? They said unto him, 12. So what was Jesus trying to get them to remember? That God's government goes beyond a desert. He pointed them to the number 12, meaning government and God. And when the seven uh, among 4,000, how many baskets full of the fragments took ye up? And they said, seven. Mm -hmm. And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? So what is seven? Seven is the number for God. Seven is the number of the spirit. All things are possible to them that believe. Right. So there's no wonder that these godly men went forward and did what they did in Christ. And he cometh to Bethsaida and they, and they, and they bring a blind man unto him. And he besought him to touch him. 
And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he, if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored. And every man, I mean, I saw every man clearly. You know what I'm kind of wondering here with this? I know we don't have time to speculate, but when he talked about the trees walking, you know, in some ways we got to recognize that we ourselves are trees. I think that he saw in the spirit for a minute, and then he saw, correct, exactly, because if the Lord tells us to bring forth fruit and bear fruit, then we are trees. He talks about this many times, but I think for a minute, he looked in the spirit, and he didn't recognize what he was seeing, mm -hmm. but then the Lord, you know, washed his eyes again, and he was able to see normal, but yeah, sorry. Well, it's also interesting that um, Jesus was, you know, persecuted on the cross, which is a, a tree. A tree. It's an altar. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So, it's like bearing your cross too. You know, men's walking with their cross. Mm -hmm. their cross too. Because in verse twenty-three, he didn't heal him. He just put his, or he spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, mm -hmm. and he asked like what he saw. Mm -hmm. And then later on, he said he put his hands again. Um, and he and saw his, his restored. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's just a demonstration of just the power of God, like the I way he so. did that, like? Absolutely. I know it wasn't the spit, you know, it was his well, breath. Yeah. But, but I mean, I mean, like, the way that he, because he's never done that anywhere else in the Bible, has he? That I, we did I mean, this. I mean, he mentioned it in the other Gospels. I think it's the same story, though, but, like, like, one yeah. is saying, he one mentioned the ground, and yeah. the other just mentioned he spit on him. Okay. You want to know something crazy, and this is why we got to believe God is real. R.W. Schombach did this, okay, to a woman. Now, he said a woman told him, I'm blind, but I need you to spit on my eyes that I might see. The Lord told me to tell you to do it. And he said, ain't no way in the world I'm spitting on your eyes, woman. You can forget that. So they argued for about a while. And then he said, all right, fine. If you want me to do it and the Lord told you to do it, I'm going to do it. So he got ready and he says, I can't do it. <laughs> and then finally, she was like, you know, will you just do it? The Lord said it. And he did. And that woman, you can look that up. And that woman was able to see. Wow. Man, God is not, it's all in the faith. Mm -hmm. It is all in believing God. Mm -hmm. I know we lost half our audience with that one. What's the right in verse 23? No, I know. Right? <laughs> exactly. In verse 26. And he sent him away to his house and neither go into town nor tell it to any, any in the town. And Jesus went to his disciples and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Who do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, uh, but some say Elias, and others, one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom do ye say that I am? We got to understand that this is so important of who we see Jesus is. Mm -hmm. We might know him from the outside as Lord and Savior, but what God wants to know, who do you really think I am? Because what we believe is what we do. How we see him is how much we obey. But he wants to know, okay, that's what the town is saying, but who do you say that I am? The very people that are walking with me. And Peter answered and said unto him, thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them 
that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So it don't look like a pretty picture. Mm -hmm. And he spake and sang openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. And when he had turned about and looked on, on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. So we got to understand when the Lord is correcting us and making us right, he first asked, Who do you say I am? When they answered, he said, well, this is what I'm going to go through. As Christians, once we acknowledge who Christ is and we decide to live godly, man, we are going to suffer persecution. There is no way around this. Right. Be sure that it will come. Why? We need to be tried in the furnace of affliction that we might not fall. We have got to walk as Jesus walked. So he said, Peter, you savor us the things that be of men and not of God. So what was he telling Peter? Peter, if you really love me, you wouldn't be trying to talk me out of self-denial. You wouldn't be trying to talk me from the will of God or from the cross. You would be encouraging me to go ahead and do it because it's the will of God. So we've got to understand where we are in the will of God. Mm -hmm. are, we, are we being led by people to help us to get closer to him? Or are we trying to keep people around for our own pleasures? People don't do these things on purpose, but these things happen. And if we yield to these words and we're not strong in the spirit, we will back away from the calling of the Lord and do what people want us to do. It is important that we understand who Christ Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And when he had called the people unto him, his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So not just self-denial, you have got to die so that Christ can live. He said, whosoever. He didn't say my disciples. Hey, whosoever wants to come after me must deny himself and take up his cross. So every day we are dying out that we might be like Christ. All right, he said, and follow me. But whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. So for the gospel's sake, those people will make it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? This should be preached more in churches so we can get a clear perspective of what Jesus Christ is looking for. Anyone that is not instructing you to do this is seducing you. Mm -hmm. That is clear. Either they don't know. If you don't know, you shouldn't be teaching. But if you do know, this is what the Lord is calling. So we want to understand how do we get the gifts? How do we follow the Lord? How do we fall into relationship? Jesus said, you want to come with me? Oh, it's quite simple. Deny yourself and carry your cross and then you can be with me. Why? It's not because Jesus wants you to go through hard times. It's because there's too many things in the flesh that will seduce you. Your flesh is your enemy. While God is telling you go right, the flesh is telling you to go left. So it is important that we subdue this thing that it might serve the spirit. Mm -hmm. That is the only way that we can follow the Lord. And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his father 
and the holy angels. So the Lord is making clear, hey, you're going to come after me. you got to deny yourself. If you be ashamed of me, you're afraid to speak up for me, I'll be ashamed of you. And see, this is as this becomes more of a reality, I don't mind praying in the street. I don't mind praying at work. I don't mind inviting people. You know what? If I get let go, I'm not trying to get fired, but I'm just saying, if I get let go, man, then so what? I mean, all I care is what he thinks. But see, the devil is going to try and stop you. Hey, man, you better remember, you know, you won't be able to pay your bills. You're going to be a bum. You'll be homeless. And that's all up to God. But either way, he always makes a way for his people. Man, we've got to trust him with this because this is instruction one-on-one. When, when he said that a rich man will not enter into the kingdom of heaven unless he did, you know, better for a camel to go in. And Peter said, Lord, didn't, why, well, we won't make it or whatever. And, and the Lord said, you know, no, Peter said, we have forsaken all. And he was like, Peter, you guys are going to be on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So I want to cover two quick points. I'm not sure where I should go. Let's go to... Second Timothy, First um, Timothy six. This is a good point because Martin and I remember when we had a disagreement. The Lord actually showed me something that would kind of answer those questions on both sides. So this is good. It was something that even I overlooked. All right, First Timothy six, and I think we will start at verse one. First Timothy 6 and 1, and it says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. So a lot of people think he's talking about slaves because it says under the yoke count themselves. I honestly believe that God is not for slavery. What God is talking about for those who are servants who are working for him, let your bosses, let your masters teach you well. He's saying under the yoke. I don't believe he's talking slavery here. I believe under the yoke is talking about if you're somewhat bound to the world. Mm -hmm. Because that is the yoke that is upon our necks is why we can't do what the Lord says. Mm -hmm. Lord, if I'm wrong, correct me. But he says, mm -hmm. uh, no, go ahead. You got something? I don't know. I was thinking of yoke and I just got this vision of it being like the top of the firmament, like Mm -hmm. Staying bound to this world instead mm -hmm. of, um, yeah, I was thinking like, like two versus yeah. that's kind of like the way, but I'm kind of, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying, but the firmament is a great point, yeah. but I wasn't exactly thinking that. But those that are worldly, like in the world, you know, mm -hmm. to their masters, uh, good point, verse two, and they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful. And beloved partakers of the benefit, mm -hmm. these things teach and exhort. See, that's, that's a servant. Mm -hmm. They have a, a choice. Exactly. Because, see, God's version of having masters and servants are, you know, employer-employee, looking after people who right. do you service. But the devil's is, you know, tie them up and whip them. You know, do this, do that. So we got to understand that what God is talking about, like Martin said, is not the same thing. All right, so if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, these are words that are beneficial, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine uh, which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. So it is important that 
If we're not going according to the doctrine of, of Christ, we are proud and knowing nothing. We are doting about questions and strifes of words, whereby cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of truth. So anybody that goes against what God's word says, you are destitute of truth. You don't see it. You don't get it. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. So he's not saying gain isn't good. He's saying that if you believe that how much you have determines how much God is blessing you, the Bible says withdraw yourself. And this is what's being taught. Criflo Dollar has a whole doctrine on, well, yeah, see, the Lord is blessing me. Okay, Creflo, so if the Lord is blessing you, why don't you give to the people and we can be blessed back and forth every week? So you see how that doctrine doesn't even work. He's just rounding it all up for himself so he can give it to his masters and buy his $65 million jet. So if giving is blessing, like you claim it is, and this is godly, man, then kick back so you can get even more. But see, they know that doctrine is a lie, but this is what people feed on. Anyway, so he says, when people believe that gain is godliness, withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So whatever you have, whatever the Lord gives you, being godly and being content with what you have, that is great gain. Contentment, like satisfied? Mm-hmm. Okay. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now you're going to have a lot of people in church fight you over this. And I understand what Paul is trying to say. He's not saying there's anything wrong with having, but he's saying what Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. So there are ways to be able to be rich, but to do the will of the Lord. But we've got to understand one thing. These things can't mean anything to you. You treat it like it's any ordinary thing. No big deal. Yeah, I'm rich, but I'm still out there doing the will of the Lord. Yeah, I'm rich, but I'm still doing this. But see, what stops a lot of rich people is you can have great things, but you know if you pursue that gospel, what's going to happen? You might end up losing it. So those things can't hinder you. You cannot have a heart after these things. This is what he's talking about. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so also, it's so key, the love of money. It's the whole love piece. Because what's mm -hmm. the number one commandment? Love thy God with all your heart mm -hmm. and all thy soul. And so if he's first priority and everything, you don't have room to love the things of this world. Exactly. You want to. So, that is exactly right. Yeah. But you see what Paul and what Jesus Christ is saying is it's not easy to do. No, it's not. You yeah. can fall in love with it and think that you can tell yourself mentally, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is first. But whose will are you doing more? Mm -hmm. Jesus's or yours? So it is important that we understand that where our minds are. That we gotta, he's going to give an example for what he wants, though. But he says, have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God. So he was talking to the worldly man for a minute. Now he says, the man of God, flee these things 
and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Why? Because these are fruit of the spirit. This is the only thing that is going to endure. Nothing else in this world will. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. So what does a man of God do or woman? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art called. So the man of God is called to this and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. So we need to be out there telling people about Jesus. 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Jesus Christ, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Why? Jesus Christ did everything that was commanded of him. Uh, that thou uh, keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times uh, he shall shew, who is the blessed and only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords, Amen. who only hath immortality Amen. dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Charge them that are rich in this world. So this is, this is the commandment for the rich, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. So you see, your trust has to be in the living God. Means if I have to part with it, I will part with it. But I know I'm only doing these things for a certain reason. Now look, he says, but unto the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. So you have to be ready to give as the Lord tells you to give and communicate, preach that word where you are. The, 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 um, the conditions for the rich man and the poor man are the same. There is no getting around it. But he's saying it'll be harder for the rich man because you actually got something to hold on to in this life. So that's going to be difficult for you because you got to fight to try and let it go. Where the man who's just following Christ straight out, he's just going right at it. Like, hey, man, I'm not building anything up here. So he's saying if you be rich, be ready to give at the will of the Lord. He's not saying if you're rich, you go to hell. He's just saying, hey, if you're rich, be ready to do what the Lord says, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So it is important that what we have to lay hold on is eternal life. Now, before we close, because I'm going to get into what, what people, what makes people that are evil wax worse and worse. So let's go to 2 Kings. Um, or First Kings 22, and while you add it, get First um, Thessalonians. I mean, Second Thessalonians 2. But I want to make this point because when the Lord showed me this, I was like, "Oh man!" Now this is Old Testament and New, which we're about to read. And this story wasn't just told once; it was told twice. You can read this in Second um, Chronicle or Second Chronicles chapter eight or eighteen, and you can read this in 
1 Kings 22. This is what happens to the evil men that refuse to obey the Lord. First Kings uh, 22 and verse 1, and it says, And they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye that uh, Ramoth of Gilead is ours and will be still. And take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, oh, wilt thou go with me to battle in Romath Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. So Jehoshaphat was loyal to Ahab. This is Ahab we're talking about. Ahab is about to go into battle. Now you know. God was against Ahab because of all the wickedness that Ahab had done. And it had been prophesied that he would pay a price for what he did to Naboth for his vineyard. Remember? Mm -hmm. All right. Verse 5. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead uh, to battle? Or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? So Jehoshaphat said, Man, this sounds too good to be true. We're hearing good news that we're going into battle from all these prophets, that we're going to do just great. So Jehoshaphat said, Man, is there anybody else? Because this just sounds, you know, kind of funny to me. So Jehoshaphat, uh, verse 8, And the king of Israel, which is Ahab, said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Emla, of Emla uh, I, um, by whom uh, we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten hither, Micaiah, the son of Imla, and the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chaniah, Chanina, Canina, I guess, uh, came, I mean, made him horns of iron. And said, Thus saith the Lord, Will these shall push the Syrians uh, unto thou have consumed them? And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into, that, into the king's hand. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them and speak that which is good. So they want Micaiah to try and be like the rest of the prophets so that the king may profit. 
And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord said unto me, that will I speak. So he came to the king, and the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered him, Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? Um, and he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. This is what Micaiah is saying. And all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And, and one said of this manner, and another said on, the manner, on that manner, And there came forth a spirit, and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him, and prevail also. Go forth and do so. So we understand here that Ahab wanted to win this battle, but the Lord said, Okay, the battle will be somewhat won, but Ahab is not going to get what he wants. So the Lord is saying, Who's going to persuade Ahab that he may fall at battle? The judgment was that Ahab would die in battle. So he said, put a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets that these people might believe. So when you got someone wicked, you know, God will, hey, if your time is due and you didn't obey the Lord, as far as he's concerned, you're not one of his if you're an enemy of God. Right. Ahab served another God. He was not of God. But now he's looking for the same God to get a favor. The Lord said, you know, bring forth a lying spirit into the mouth of the prophets. So the prophets are prophesying lies to get Ahab to believe it. Why I'm bringing this point forward, and we're going to prove this, is because if you hear what you want to hear, you refuse the truth of God, you can be reprobate, as Paul says. If you don't want to hear it, the Lord will allow you to believe what you want to believe to your very destruction. So when God gives um, instruction what we should do, we should take God's word as a whole. Now, some people may say, well, this is Old Testament. That's not true. I'm going to show you just how this is done, even in the New Testament. Yeah. In this case, um, was, I mean, because I'm kind of confused, why the Lord mm. put lying spirits in his prophets? Well, those weren't God's those prophets. Were, oh, okay. You know, those were prophets that were telling them what they wanted to hear. So he said, I'm going to put a word in the mouth those of a lying prophet. prophet. Well, they were they were prophets, but the thing is, is since you, I, I'm going to prove that. I'm just going to make the point because I know right now this sounds like how can God be a part of lying? So let's move forward. Without further ado, let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Well, it's just like Pharaoh. Pharaoh already had the hardness in his heart. 
I do. I wanted to stop at Romans one. Now let's stop there real quick, and I'll go to um, for Second Thessalonians two. I'm just going to read through this real quick because I'm trying. I want to prove a point. So this is verse seventeen. This is Romans one and seventeen, and it says, "For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven." against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? Hold the truth in unrighteousness. People that don't want to be right. People that are out to deceive others. So then he says, um, because that which, uh, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So, in other words, God has given us all reason to believe his words just by his creation alone. But if that's not enough, look at what happens. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, Neither were thankful, but came, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So when your heart is darkened, you can't serve the Lord. They became vain in their beliefs and refused to serve him. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. So remember, while they're doing these things aside from God, he's giving them up to uncleanness. These people are not just walking their way. Now, God was holding on to them before, trying to tell them, all right, get it together, come and follow me. As these people choose through their hearts to go and serve another, God gives them over to uncleanness. So we never just walk from unclean acts. We start out as a kid innocent. You don't know a lot. But you go out there, you start lying, being in the world, you start fornicating, you start doing other things, you get you get given over to uncleanness. Remember when you were a kid the first time you ever said a curse? Your mouth just felt so nasty and you looked around and you couldn't believe that that was you. But see, when you're given over to uncleanness, now bleep this and bleep that. And bleep, 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 bleep. See, your conscience is becoming, exactly. But you start to get low down. This is what he's, he's trying to show them. So he said he gave them up to uncleanness. Why? Through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who change the truth of God into a lie. So this is not just talking about, you know, homosexuality as many people try and point this. That's just part of it. But the other part is changing the truth of God into a lie. Remember what he said? The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Why? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So this is what happens to people over time. Yeah, you want to make a point? They see choosing what they want to believe versus the word of God. Oh, yeah. Ahab knew that was wrong. Ahab was born for years. Ahab, God sent Elijah. He sent people to tell Ahab, hey, man, stop what you're doing. So at this point, Ahab is what is going into what you would call, and what this lesson is about tonight, a strong delusion. Mm -hmm. This is what he fell into not believing the truth. So it says... 
who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. So even though God's word is plain, you got people out there that will listen to lying false prophets, lying scientists, whatever it is that they hear, they believe that garbage over what God's word says. We got no excuse with this book sitting in front of us. Right. It says, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, this is God again. Because they have changed the you know, truth of God into a lie, God gave them up unto vile affection. So now they're getting real filthy. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. So you do filth, you're going to meet the judgment. The wages of sin, like we talked about, is death. And like I said, I'm not going to go there tonight, but this is speaking of homosexuality. But the point being brought forth is God has given them over. God is trying to bring them in. You want to get filthy? Well, get even more filthy. And see, as you see, as this goes on, their world starts to turn upside down. Yep. So you don't know what the truth is anymore because you refuse to accept it. So then it says, verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. So this time it's a given over. He might have given you up to that for a season just that you might come in, mm -hmm. you know. But you see, once you reach this point of reprobation, God gave them over. Like, in other words, I don't want you. I don't want you over here because you refuse to know me and you won't come to me. I'm not saying for anyone listening that God can't redeem your heart. But when your conscience is seared, you don't even feel bad for sin. You don't want to serve God. And this is why it is dangerous to sit up under seducers and evil men because they'll turn the truth of God into a lie and you'll start to believe the lie more than the truth. Mm -hmm. Man, you got somebody eating cotton candy in church and getting into all that stuff and then you come and tell people that them that will live godly will suffer persecution. Man, they, man, what are you talking about? God is nothing but love and this and that. That person has been overfed with sweets mm -hmm. so they can't receive the truth now. That's right. Man, it's important that we listen. So he gave them over to a reprobate mind that is disqualification to do those things which are not convenient. So he gave them over so that they may do this. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful. So you see how on this list is haters of God? Mm -hmm. That's where you eventually get when you will not receive the truth in Jesus Christ. Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, um, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only uh, do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So we know that Ahab felt good about taking Naboth's vineyard, even lied on him just to get it done. 
cried on his wife's shoulder just to get that vineyard. So God had to make payment. He had to repay that. Yep. Now we're going to go to Second Thessalonians 2 and we're going to close. But this is the point that I'm trying to bring forth, that when you hear God's truth, you better know it. There's nothing wrong with getting into the sweet things that God does. God has a lot of fruit that would make you want and desire him. But man, when you've got no appetite for the gospel, for the truth, man, you better cry out to your God because this is the only thing that saves us. Mm -hmm. The devil is trying to tell you and I, man, don't take this serious. Relax. It don't even take all of that. All you got to do is blah, blah, blah. But see, this word is telling us, stay on task. Stay with the goal. Do what God says to do. Trust and believe in Jesus Christ. Contend for the faith. Man, if Jesus, this is what I'm saying. If I'm crazy, then Jesus Christ said, if you, if your eye is, is corrupt, he said, pluck it out. He said, it would be better for you to go through life maimed than to miss out on eternal life. Mm -hmm. So am I crazy or is Jesus really talking about how serious this is? Yep. That's the point that I'm making. Why would he say that? He said, man, even if you had to cut off a limb, he's not saying to cut off a limb, but he's saying if it bothered you that bad, he said it is better to go through this life maimed than to miss out on eternal life. Mm -hmm. How much more serious does it need to be? God ain't playing around. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians 2. He said it would be better for that. And you get a sense that, man, eternal life must be really something. Yep. I don't know if you heard my big mouth back there. But... Yes, I did. <laughs> All right. So... It's only a few feet away. All right. You can hear me down the street. Good. That means the gospel is getting everybody. Yeah. Oh, funny. You can set up a speaker up there. No, exactly. Exactly. This is coming from a few blocks away. No, exactly. And like I said, you know, we might be doing this now. I know eventually there's going to come a point when I'm sure that you know they're going to look up what we talk about. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be brought into court. I'm already. I've already accepted that. Mm -hmm. They're going to say you the guy that taught Romans one and was teaching about whatever. Absolutely, man. This is why I'm here. So I know eventually this is going to be used against me. But if I was in it to take care of myself, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But I've already accepted the fact that I'm going to be brought into that place of, is this you on video? Yeah, that's me. 120 years. Case dismissed. Hey, if that's what it had to be, then so be it. 120, 1, 2, 12. That's you know, right? But I'm just making a point that we got to understand what God is telling us. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. And we're going to get the full understanding in this chapter right here. Second Thessalonians 2 and 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, at, as that day of Christ is at hand. So Paul is making it clear. Hey guys, I'm bringing this to you for the coming of Jesus Christ that you not be soon shaken in mind, in spirit, or by letter. But I'm just telling you guys what you need to know. Let no man deceive you by any means. 
For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. The word for falling away is apostasia. So he's making it clear. Before Christ can come, there's a major falling away. Now that ought to strike fear in the heart of the church. If there's going to be a great falling away like no other time in history, how can I possibly take this walk lightly? How can I possibly take it for granted when there's going to be a mass exodus of people not believing Jesus? Man, he's saying the first thing he said, man, make sure nobody's deceiving you because there's going to be a major falling away. And like I said, anybody don't believe what I'm saying? Why don't we go out and see what they're preaching, and then we can see who's telling the truth. That's right. Think about it. Nobody's preaching this. Nope. Nobody's telling you about this. You can go to any church and hear what you want to hear. If there's going to be a great falling away, what is it going to be, 15 people on their way to hell because they listen to me? Man, nobody's teaching this. Nope. They're teaching all the false mess out there. You got a handful of men, the remnant. So... He said, no one would deceive you except there shall come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that he that is worshipped, I mean, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, shewing himself that he is God. So we understand this isn't just the Antichrist, this is an Antichrist spirit. Do we understand that everything that is not of Christ is antichrist? If God tells you, I want you on your knees for prayer for 30 minutes, for whatever reason the Lord wanted you on your knees at this point, and you go to the store and get a pack of Twinkies, that is antichrist. Okay, now I'm not saying you'll be condemned for it, but we got to understand that everything is not of the will of God is antichrist. There's no in between. You know, we got to understand this. And that's why he says, for them that are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if we're led by the Spirit, then we become like God. That as long as we're doing other things or the devil still has some control, you know, we're not fully there. And that's okay. So it says that he sits in the temple of God, showing himself he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming." So we know that Christ is going to destroy Antichrist. But here's where it gets interesting. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. So he's talking about the Antichrist and that spirit with all power and signs and lying wonders. So there's going to be lots of things that are going to mimic the Holy Ghost, but they won't be the Holy Ghost. The Lord wants us to have discernment for this. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, but because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So why are these people perishing? Because they receive not the love of the truth. Mm -hmm. All you've got to do, I'm telling you, you guys, I might, like, let's just say, if I were teaching you guys false gospel, I've got to stand before the Lord one day for me not teaching right. But guess what? That doesn't excuse you. Mm -hmm. 
because you've got a Bible in your lap yourself. Now, if I'm false, I'm going to pay for what I said, but that doesn't take it out of the way. The Lord is going to say, man, you had a Bible in your lap. What did I tell you? So there'll be no getting around in this. That's why I encourage people, man, study yourself. All right, so with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, uh, because they receive not the love of the truth, so they don't receive the truth unto salvation, that they might be saved. Look at 11. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. So you see... God is sending this delusion mm -hmm. that people will believe a lie because they don't want the truth. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's dangerous if you don't believe what God is telling you. That's because right. God is like, okay, you don't want me. I'm the, it's not that he really brings the lie to them. He lets them live in the lie. And that's why evil men and seducers will wax, wax worse and worse. Your, your um, what is it? Discernment. Your conscience comes from the Holy Ghost. You push the Holy Ghost away in favor of something else, you're going to be left to your own unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. So we've got to understand, God is not giving them a delusion. He's letting them believe the delusion. Why? Because that's what's in their hearts. That's right. And that's why it is important that we receive the truth. Man, don't believe me. Do your own research on this. But God is sending this delusion. So it's dangerous. If you want to be an enemy of God, over time, your conscience gets seared, and you'll say, you know what? This is truth right here. See, I don't know what they were preaching over there. You know, making me scared of salvation and all that. And I just found one scripture that said, God is love. You know, God will love you even if he had to send you to hell. Love is not the problem. It's how much we love him. Yeah, Lord, forgive me. I'm not angry, but I'm just, I'm stressing it out of love. Like, man, we cannot afford to not hear God. That's true. We need to hear what he's telling us. Amen. I have ears. That's right. There you go. But I had pleasure in unrighteousness. So they didn't want to hear the truth. They had pleasure in that. But we are bound to give thanks always to God uh, for you, brethren, because, I mean, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So we ain't just no salvation and sanctification here because the spirit only deal. What did, what did Jesus Christ call the Holy Ghost in, in, um, in John 16? Or, or, or I think it's 14. The spirit the of truth. truth. Yeah. So if we don't accept the truth, then the spirit will back off on you because you're not giving him what he needs. All right, so they, they have to believe the truth. Verse 14, whereunto he called you by the gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord uh, Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father which hath loved us, and have given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good, I mean, in every word and work. So he's telling us this, that we might be vessels fit to be used. You know, so 
evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse because they don't receive the truth. God will leave you to your devices. But if you want the Lord and you're going to live godly, one day you're going to suffer persecution. And that's really what it's about. So this is why I brought the second part up. And it's not going to make a whole lot of sense to some unless you hear part one. But the point is, is that we ought to listen to the words of the Lord. Amen. We cannot take salvation lightly. God works with us slowly. Sanctification is a long process. God will be forever pulling things out of your life. But you must be on the path. You must understand and listen to him. Man, he's graceful and he is merciful, but we have got to believe him because he's all we've got. Yes, yeah, sorry. I do believe a lot of times he will tug at your biggest blocks. First, yes. You know? So expect that. Don't, you know, mm -hmm. accept it and be thankful for it. Amen. That's what we did on yeah. Sunday in that teaching, the vessels fit for the master to use. He's got to, you know, groove out those areas that you can be fit. Yeah. So there might be things like this left out because it's something that you want. So he's just trying to apply pressure in that area that he might use you. Yep. So that's why it becomes hard because we're not yielding. The more you yield, the more truth you get, the more the Lord can work with you and show you. But God has got to trust you in this. Because if you're not working for him, you're working for the enemy. That's right. So remember what he said, them that will live godly will suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And we don't want to fall on that side of things. So that's the lesson for tonight. I just want to tell you guys, I love you. This is not a thing of trying to give you nightmares or fear. But if deception is the biggest thing that we are going to deal with, then we have to have the mind of Christ to make sure that we make it to the end. Amen. Can I share one more thing? Yeah. Um, Mark 8, 24, when uh -huh. talk about men walking as trees, the Lord also gave me, um, you know, what do trees produce? Fruit. Fruit. What, but also what do they produce in the carnal sense? Um, oxygen. Oxygen, yep. which God had to breathe, or, you know, breath into us so we can live. Resuscitate others, yeah. like Sarah did there, yeah. she's mentioning that. So it's, it's interesting how they produce that, and if spiritually we're supposed to be that tree that produces fruit and oxygen that gives other people life, you know, mm. which is interesting. It's yeah. true, as I'm not trying to give anyone a hard time, I'm just encouraging anybody listening, get to know Jesus, draw closer to him, give him more time. And you'll see how simple it, I'm not going to say simple, but how much easier it becomes. Because if you become like him, then everything God is saying is going to be the truth. Yeah. I mean, think about it. When you were unsaved, they said no sex before marriage. You what? You know what I mean? You, you're kidding me, man? So what am I supposed to do? But as you draw closer to the Lord, well, yeah, I know there's no sex before marriage. That's not even yeah. that's not even what a good person would do. Yeah. Because you've changed. Exactly. So just draw closer to him. I didn't even think that was a thing in this world anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you what? Know? what are you like talking I... about no sex before marriage? You know, but get the mind of Christ and things will all make sense. All right. So I got a psalm the Lord gave me and I'm going to read you are my hiding place, my one true grace. Lord, my desire is to see you. Is desire my Lord? My desire is to one day see you face to face, or see your face. Not because of what I've done, of what I've done, or who I am, but because you are my solid rock in this world of quicksand. 
Satan is the ruler of this present life, and that is why I know for you, Lord, I must die. Die out to the world, die out to self, die out to my relationship with you being on the shelf. Lord, make me over to be just like you, because I know that your word reigns true. Give me the strength that I need to go every day. Give me the wisdom I need to stay in your way. Give me the patience I need to endure this life. Give me the long-suffering I need to endure the strife, the conflict, the persecution. All things you endured that we may, that we may die but live in you, Jesus Christ. Amen. we got to give it all to him. You know, but for those that, yeah, it really was. For those that are seeking the Lord, just draw closer to Him. He'll give you everything that you're going to need. But we cannot kid ourselves and just believe that we don't have to do anything. Seven times to seven churches, He said, To Him that overcometh. So we have got to overcome to walk with the Lord. Who's, um, who's going to pray tonight? Anybody? Heavenly Father, I want to come tonight before you in Jesus' name. Lord God Almighty, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your grace, Lord. I want to thank you for your patience and your long-suffering over each and every one of our lives, Lord, as you have been a faithful father unto us, Lord, and you have not treated us as our sins deserve. Yes, Lord. Lord God, I am praying over everyone's life tonight because everyone is going through some sort of spiritual attack, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we have to understand that we are in a spiritual warfare. And Lord, I'm just praying that we draw closer to you, Lord. I'm just praying that we get in our time of prayer with you and that we hear your voice, Lord, that we read your word, that we become separate from this world and sanctified unto you, Lord God, so you can pour out your Holy Ghost upon us so we can go out, Lord, and tell others about you. Thank you, Lord. But not just by word of mouth, Lord, not just by the knowledge that you've attained us or given to us, Lord, but by through your Holy Ghost, Lord, by a double portion of your anointing upon our lives, yes, that Lord. your power can be put on display, that we not boast of ourselves, but we only boast in Jesus Christ because of what you've done through us, Lord God, Thank you, Lord. and how you've delivered us out of condemnation, Lord Jesus. If we have a truth in you today, Lord God, it is because you chose to save us, but we had a willingness, Lord, we had a choice to make, and that is that we choose Jesus Christ above all and everything, and that we take your word and everything that it says, because these are your words, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. And I'm praying that you help us, all of us, with this, Lord, that whatever we are going through, Lord, whether, whether it is demonic oppression or depression, whether it's relationship issues, Lord, whether it's financial issues, whether there are people today that are having problems with their children, Whatever it is, Lord Jesus Christ, that we give it to you because you overcome all things. You said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And we and you, Lord God Almighty, can be overcomers, but we have to endure as a good soldier, Lord Jesus Christ, that we not be entangled with the affairs of this life. Yes, 
So, Lord God Almighty, I'm praying that we will take on your armor, Lord Jesus Christ, and that we will have the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, Lord Jesus Christ, that we will be those good trees that bringeth forth good fruit, that we will bear our cross for you, Lord God Almighty. Yes, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that if you have given us a blessing, that we not worship the blessing, but that we give you all the glory and all the honor, Lord Jesus Christ, because there are people out there tonight, Lord God Almighty, on the streets. They don't have a place to stay tonight, Lord Jesus, or they don't have food. And I'm praying, Lord God, that you help those people. But, Lord God, I'm praying that you help us, that we give them the gospel, the truth in you, Lord Jesus Christ, and to be able to help them to meet them at their needs, Lord Jesus. Yes, but Lord. use us as your willing vessels. We need to tell you, Lord Jesus Christ, each and every one of us, that we are available to you, Lord God Almighty, that you can use us, your servants. What more for the kingdom of heaven can we do should be the words that every believer in you speak. Yes, Lord. Help us, Lord. Build us up. Give us the strength to endure, Lord Jesus Christ, in the areas in our, in our lives that we are weak. As you are the potter, work out those areas in these these earthen vessels, Lord Jesus Christ, that we are fit vessels for the Master to use. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Thank yes, you, Jesus, Lord. for you're the Thank only you, one Jesus. worthy of all the praise, worthy of all the glory, and worthy of all the honor. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus Christ, God Almighty. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love, Lord God. Lord Jesus, before I close out in this prayer tonight, I am going to ask and pray that you be over my friend um, Melissa's brother, Matthew, Thank Lord. And I, I am rebuking all those demons that he has in the name of Jesus, that he will turn his life around tonight Jesus, in the Lord. name of Jesus and give his life to you. Lord, yes, I am Lord. praying for Derek's sister, that in the name of Jesus, I am proclaiming it. She is healed, that yes, whatever Lord. her heart issues are, they are gone no more. Touch her life in the name of Jesus. Everyone yes, else going through issues tonight in the name of Jesus, that they give their lives to you. Thank yes, you, Lord. God Almighty. Thank you, Jesus. Let us be in the faith that we will do your good works unto you, all Lord. men. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name I pray. Jesus Amen. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.